Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Super Black Reads. I am Carl. And I am Dan. <laughs> you know how often I have to cut out the space between when I say my name and when you say your name? That's like really? The, yeah, there's like um the the editing time, that's like I would give it maybe 40%. Oh, it's wow. just cutting out in that 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 little space because uh granted i don't edit too much out uh but when i do it's usually that oh wow dead air i didn't i didn't realize that was i gotta i gotta be a little quicker on that uptake then how's that how's that take then should we do it again no i'm keeping all of this huh? okay all right sounds good yeah, <laughs> we, just came, we, we came in hot like it sounds like we, it feels like we came a little hot this time I'm hot as hell. It's hot in this room. All right. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, summer's upon us. It's coming. It's it's like at the door. It's like 70-something degrees. Dan and I are trapped in our offices so we can bring you some fantastic content based off of The Terrifics, Volume 1. Huh? Like that transition? We'll right into <laughs> it. Drove that, that honking bus right into the topic. Dan, let's kick it off hot. Yes. What did you think of the Terrifics, Volume One. Uh, I Hot ultimately takes. I wasn't what, a fan. What are you feeling? Oh, you weren't a fan. Like, All right, so this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so like, should we talk about what the Terrifics, you know, the Terrifics, Terrifics is, or yes. you just want to like have them figure it out as we, as we uh, talk, like have no, them be context clues? How about this? I'll give them the breakdown straight from DC Comics. Sounds good. All right. All right. Here, here, go, guys. The Terrifics, Volume One. When Mister Terrific. Metamorpho, Plastic Man, and Phantom Girl find themselves bound together by a tragic accident. Our team of unlikely allies must rely on one another to make their way back home. But a startling revelation on their return trip brings them face to face with a new mystery. Where in the universe is Tom Strong? So that's the uh, the, the breakdown of the Terrifics Volume 1. It is a DC Comics property. It contains a lot of B-list uh, superheroes and supervillains. It in, I I suppose. I mean, we talked about this off air, but it is really DC's Fantastic Four. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I love the fact that you didn't like it because I love this book. Oh my god! So we yeah, I we got really, a lot to talk really about do. right now. Like I okay, really I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by saying this, and I, we I've mentioned it on the past episodes already. Like I purposely go into these books with uh, um, knowing as little as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, you just give me the name, I literally Google it, I type it in, and I download the the, the volume and I start reading. Right. So jumping into this, um, I'll be very honest. I'm not a DC guy. You know, something about DC used to rub me the wrong way. You know, like I tried back in the early 2000s to get back into it. um, But all the stories just felt so out of this world. And Mm. the characters don't seem grounded. And and then so that applies to this right here. And then on top of that, you're dealing with so many years of continuity that are being thrown at you in these first, like e- they had to break down on a couple of panels, like why plastic man is, you know, where he is, like why he's in, in, in another dimension and why he's an egg and all this crazy stuff. Like, it's like I don't want that anymore. Like I, I'm, I feel myself um, 
getting away from mainstream comic books and actually looking for those like um, for those black hammers for those um, um, for those bitter roots because it's a new story it's a new family and it's not bogged down by continuity because even as much as I'm not a DC person I know these characters and I know the background of these characters so as I was reading this like why are they together you know why is Phantom Girl here because Phantom Girl is part of the Legion. And Legion is like a far-flung superhero team, like far-flung into the future. Why is she here now? So, like, mm-hmm. all this stuff wasn't making sense. And bringing these characters together, and, like, and when I was reading them, I'm like, oh, so Mr. Terrific is Mr. Fantastic. And wait, Metamorpho, he's clear of the thing. Like, he even talks like the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Plastic Man is Johnny Storm turned up a notch, and he was just annoying, and all his jokes started were falling flat. Like I didn't laugh once, and I don't know if that was the, if that was the point. Like he was just corny. And then Phantom Girl, for, is 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 um, Mr. Invisible Fantastic. Woman. Yeah, Mr. yeah, Mr. Fantastic. It's like Invisible Woman, you know, and like this this lonely character that exists in the world of. Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Terrific, these cold, calculating characters, and she literally can't touch or feel anything, so she's and extra she's translucent. Yeah, and she's it, translucent. You can see through her. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of this, to me, read like um, like Golden Age comics. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm not a fan. It's like, as much as I respect the craft, as much as, as uh, you know, we wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for the Golden Age. Like, I, I need certain things to make sense. I need certain things to be grounded. Like, I get, like, these big, crazy worlds. Like, I didn't feel grounded at all when I was reading this. Like, the Terrifics, who's, you know, named after Mr. Terrific, I couldn't get a feel for this character. Like, he was just cold, and I, I couldn't care less. I am on the opposite end of your argument. And I... Really? I think, I think all of your criticisms are valid i think everything you said is true i like the book for those reasons i like i am a dc guy i i didn't think i was until oh that, that that's a notch in the negative category for me friend it's like we, we are less <laughs> friends because you just said that all right good i'm, I'm fine I'm, i'll ride this train all the, i'm gonna by the end of this episode we'll never talk again trust me so oh, damn. All right, cool. i challenge I, the reason I like mm-hmm. DC so much is that it is that fantastical. It's not trying to not be that, you know, it is mm-hmm. very much the classic where we're good. They're evil. We wear these big, you know, symbols on our chest that mean that, you know, we are to be respected and we're the ones who are going to be protectors uh, there. I love the fact that all the superheroes are branded in some way. And that's just my design sense coming out i'm like Mm -hmm. i love logos i love the fact that they are all you know specifically branded they have their own you know branded universes even to the point where you know the flash has his own city and then gotham has it gotham is its own thing and then metropolis and you know star city all all these places have their own unique feel and the heroes and villains within them are you know kind of almost trapped within their little beta universes Mm -hmm. and then sometimes they all get to play together uh, yeah. So I didn't I didn't know I was a DC guy until maybe a year year or two ago where I really sat down and started thinking about it. 
And that's exactly when I, I read this book and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's, it's campy. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It feels a lot like um, the Batman 60s TV show to me. Yes, absolutely. Where, yes. where I, I don't like that show, but I can appreciate what it was and what it did for comic books. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Terrifics is kind of this tongue-in-cheek uh, send-up to, one, the Fantastic Four. It is 100% a parody of one of the Fantastic Four, but it's it's satirical almost, right? It's like they're they're taking themselves seriously, but not too seriously. Like the, the parallels between like Mr. Terrific and Mr. Fantastic down to their names. <laughs> the, it's, it's uh, I feel like, there was a boardroom meeting where they were like, you, does anyone notice how similar Mr. Terrific is to Mr. Fantastic? And they were just like, what, what, who else can we find that is similar to those? Other? And they, they legit went through their catalog of superheroes and they're like, this person's like this. That's why, that's why uh, Phantom Girl works is because they had a backlog of people that probably you didn't know about. Or not you specifically, but the royal you. Mm-hmm. And they just started pulling people who would fit into a Fantastic Four story. And as you read it, it plays out like a very campy episode of a 60s TV show. Mm-hmm. It's ve- like down to Metamorpho's dialogue, which is 100% the thing. But also the thing was just an old school Brooklyn uh, way of speaking. Yes. Yeah. Spoke like that. And they just adapted that for uh, Metamorpho, who you know, fits that mold, you know? It, it... Yeah. But it's like, let's, let's be clear. Metamorpho always spoke like that, Yeah, you know, it, but it's just when you bring all four characters together, it just makes, it's, it's just blatant in terms of like, Oh, this is what they're trying to do. And yeah. like you said, like you said off air, like this is more likely, well, not even off air on air as well. This is more likely by design. They did this by design because these characters, well, not these characters, these writers, the storytellers, mainly Jeff Lemire, wanted to tell a Fantastic Four story in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, I could tell he was having a lot of fun with it. Um, um, and there were, you know, there were definitely upsides to a lot of this, and we'll get into that in a second. But as a whole, um, I I can't see. It's like I was a little little upset. Because how do you end the volume on a major cliffhanger? You know, like it's like a, don't they all? No, well, no, like they, they didn't clean. Like what's the you know a cliffhanger st- starts, but like I want to believe say because it was like a lot of these books when the volume ends, like a major chunk of the story has been resolved or something has happened where the team comes together and like another villain has been dispatched and they they have somewhere to go from there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of this, it didn't seem like they had come together. It didn't seem like the main plot was actually resolved. It just seems like, oh, no, we're going to now take it into the second volume. You know, where that, that clear analog for for um, for Dr. Doom shows up at the end. I'm like, oh, say, so I, I expected Doom. To, Yeah, so I, Dr. Doom. <laughs> I, I expected it to like at least one more issue. Say, OK, all right. So we now get to introduce this character find out why he's here so they can have like a small victory. And then he reveals his big overarching plots. Like, Oh no, Tom strong. 
I'm here to destroy Tom Strong, and boom, you have to pick up the next volume. It's like, eh, I'm not a fan of that. Like, at least close that loop first, and then drop the cliffhanger, and you know, and um, not make me feel like I'm actually completely missing out on something. Ah, uh, see, I'm, I I disagree because they told they told two separate stories in <laughs> the first volume, right? They had the come together story. They introduced their mm-hmm. own kind of like red herring in uh, what's that? What's that doctor's name? Um, Doctor Stag. Yeah, mm-hmm. Simon Stag. He's kind of like their red herring villain. And then they went on to have you know adventures as a team together, and then to entice you to get to the next volume, their overarching through uh, through line was the Tom Strong thing that appeared in the beginning of the. Uh, volume and then at the end they're like well this is going to be a continuing a continuous story mm-hmm. the other kind of adventures were almost side events. it's like uh, having a, a serialized tv show right yes so so like psych or uh, monk or whatever like they have their individual episodes with the villain of the week or whatever but mm-hmm. then there's always like that through line that carries you throughout the season so that by the end they resolve it Mm-hmm. So that is the Tom Strong through line. I am not, I don't know, a Tom Strong fan, but by the end I was like, okay, like you said, Dr. Doom shows up. Legit. His name is Dr. Dread. See, this is why I like the book, <laughs> is that they, are, they give zero Fs that they are just ripping Fantastic Four off from, from top to tails. They are just stealing the blueprint of Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and using their characters almost to show like, man, we could do that. Like Fantastic Four is not a difficult thing to do. I, I almost feel like they're like, this is how you tell a Fantastic Four story correctly, mm-hmm. which I think is, I've never read a Fantastic Four story that I liked. Really? I like, I yeah, I, I like this version of the Fantastic Four. Now, is it because that Mr. Terrific is running it? No. Because like you said, he is very cold. He is hard to get behind. As a matter of fact, let's use that as a transition point to just kind of turn this episode on its head. What what are your thoughts of Mr. Fantastic as a character? Oh, um, oh Mr. Mr. Terrific? Mr. Terrific, I sorry, ha- not Mr. Yes, Fantastic. yes. Like, I have no real skin in the game when it comes to this character. Like, I know he exists. I respect that. Well, <laughs> here, here, oh, man. This is something that this, part of the reason... This is something that turned me off, and I, you know, as I'm, I'm like literally like this is me sitting in therapy, like really like getting this out here. It feels like they went out of their way to, you know, at, at one introduction of Mr. Terrific, the third smartest man in the DC universe. Yeah, oh, that was such a dig. Was I was like, I was like, dig. really? It's like, oh come on, oh, you, you got to be kidding me! Like, like you can say, oh, can say one of the smartest, but like to say the third, like how? And he he even says like that's not even quantifiable. Yeah. No. So now for the writer to now to actually say that he's the third smartest man in the in the universe, like that was really weird for me to read that, and then have Mister Terrific once again say no. It's like that's you know that's neither here nor there because that's our my intelligence is unquantifiable compared to anybody else's, you know, like. But and at the same time, would be the first two though. Um, I want to say it would be uh, Batman. Okay. And uh, um, the Blue Beetle, what's his name? Um, Ray, Ray Palmer. That's the Adam. 
That's sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, the the Ted, Ted Cord is blue. Beard. Yeah. What about um, Lex I mean, Luthor? Maybe. Okay. Let's let's look this up as we speak. You can continue. Uh, oh no, no. You look it up. I'm gonna continue talking because I got a lot to say about this. Like, go for it, man. <laughs> take the raids. Go. Say, say, okay. So that weird dig calling him the third smartest man in the DC universe, but at the same time, he like. I guess it's the runs I've I've, written, I've uh, read about him. Like he has no real personality. Like yes, we know he's smart, but there's nothing about him, to me, that makes me want to know about this character as, anymore. He feels like cardboard. Okay. Anytime he's presented. Uh, just to cut across you, Lex Luthor is number one, mm-hmm. and you were right. Ray Palmer is number two. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yes. And then Mr. Terrific is number three. Yes. So I mean, look, he's in good company. He's a very, it's like, very good company. But once again, to say he's the third smartest, like, come on, really? You know, um, I, I think that was I think that was so funny mm-hmm. that they they legit tried to quantify him as the third smartest. He's bronze level smart in the DC universe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but ultimately, to put a nice little bow on it, like I I have no no feeling for this character whatsoever i love his silhouette i love the idea of him like being a super intelligent um inventor who's a superhero who's black you know but other than that like i have nothing to really say about him and that you know that could even be said in his different iterations like uh, when he was on arrow like his oh. interpretation on arrow was like Meh. yeah exactly very very whatever like Very, they didn't, uh, they didn't know what to do with them because, like the the T spheres, they could only take that so far, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and even when they did the the relaunch um, in the New Fifty Two, when they tried to launch a Mister Terrific title, you can tell the creators didn't really know where. Well, not they didn't have a, a clear game plan, but nobody was really down for that game plan because yeah. they thought it was boring. So I, I'll I'll just say that I think I think you're right. I think Mister Terrific is a, is a very boring character mm. but and this kind of goes for every and this is what i've noticed reading comics for so long for for me is that every superhero or supervillain has a place if you write them correctly right mm-hmm. if you put them in a setting where they can shine so someone like kite man who his name is kite man it is a man who flies a kite he's he's flying on a kite that is just in any other context, it's very stupid. Mm-hmm. But there was a a, a, a storyline where he's like, the kite is the kite that his dead son was flying when he got killed by collateral damage or something. So he <laughs> flies the kite as like a as like an homage to his son and to use it as revenge against whoever. Yeah. So they wrote Kite Man to be a very poignant hero. And if I'll I'll send you the link to the to the the breakdown of it. He's he's a legit great character now, and he he's in the Harley Quinn uh, DC um, cartoon, and he's great. Yeah, he's so and, well. Say, I was about to say he's so well utilized in that show, and I I, th- I think at the same time, like because he's he's like a D list character, they're able to give him a new personality, they're able to give him a little extra something to make him more interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like, I, you know, we could we can get back to this at the end of the show when we ask the age old question. Like, doesn't matter that Mr. Terrific is, you know, is black, you know, that type of mm-hmm. thing. How would you make this character better? Stuff like but that. yeah, but but wait, but just to, to close that loop, like Kite Man was made correctly, right? Like they 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 were able to pivot his character to be relevant. I think Mr. Terrific, this was their attempt at trying to make him relevant. And mm. I think it works because he is so cold. They put him in a in a position where he has to learn to not be that anymore by legit being tethered to these three other wacky characters where their personalities are so all over the map and he is so not, mm-hmm. he's so dry. It elevates his personality to he's like, man, this guy's really is like dead weight. He's so boring. Mm-hmm. But that's the point. He is an intellectual, boring man who is surrounded by the most fantastical people he's ever met. Oh right? man. So, and they like hit you over the head with it. Like with, with a blunt object. It's a blunt object. Yeah. They're, they're battering you with it. Oh man. All right. Yes. All right. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get um, the point you're making. I, I agree with the point you're making as well. You know, it's, we, we're just coming from two different um, sides of the spectrum in terms of how we, we relate to these properties and these characters. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't deny that he's boring as hell. And just to, to give people some, uh, behind the curtain stuff before we transition the podcast one of the earliest episodes that i was scoping was for mr terrific and i went out and i bought research and i read his books and i tell you i could not finish them they were so bad so bad (laughs) and he was boring and he was unfun and nothing he did was interesting and those t-spheres are stupid Nothing about the books where he was the main focus was of any interest to me. So, hmm. To the point where I started recording a podcast. Dan, I didn't tell you this. I started recording an episode. And half the episode is just me talking to myself about <laughs> how much I don't like this episode or this character. Oh, wow. I have it recorded. It's in my, my I didn't delete it because it's so funny of me just going like, why am I doing this? This book sucks. You need like, to I was, dry- I was you talking need to-, to myself. You need to find that audio and throw it in the outro. Like as we're fading out on this episode, we're to- we're fading out talking. This episode fade in the that, that okay. conversation to yourself, just to let me let, let every all the listeners know that you are not kidding because I know you're genuine because I've seen you talk to yourself. Yeah, you know, so. uh, it was it was a problem. It was like maybe maybe five minutes of me just going like this book is terrible. Why am I even doing this episode? I, I was like reading the book and I was just like, I can't find anything good to talk about. Like it's, and then I just turned the recording off. There wasn't even a sign off. I was like, I'm done with this. And I put yes. the book away. It was so bad. This book, I was, I went in hesitant and I came out be like, okay, I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. All right. So let's, let's move forward. Uh, the art. Yes. You, you mentioned you want to talk about the art. So Dan, what are your thoughts on the art? All right. So this is me going in on why I started stray away from mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially in this day and age, and I, I feel, I feel for the writers, I feel for everybody that's involved with these, um, these projects, because they have to start turning these things out so quickly, right? Because it used to be, you know, once a month you get it, you get an issue, 
so you, the, the the editor, the writer, the colorist, the inker, the artist had time to to put these things in the bag and put all these these books together. But some books, I don't know if this was the case, you know, they start shipping twice a month now, and I couldn't, as an artist, I could not feel grounded because every two issues the art was changing. And yeah. when and and when the, when the art changes in the middle of what I consider to be an arc, it's very very off putting. I remember the first time I started really picking up on it was uh, when New X Men started coming out. I think in the early two thousand with Grant Morrison as a writer, and um, you had who's the artist? Oh man, uh, Frank Quitely, phenomenal artist. And then you could tell, but he's also um, he's also synonymous with taking his sweet time finishing his art so after like every three issues they'd throw in like a frank quick quietly like uh copy and it just felt off-putting and that's what's happening here you know so like in the first two in the first three issues um no so sorry the first issue one and two uh they refer to uh jeff lemire and ivan rice as the storytellers, but it seems like Jeff Lemire is the writer, and maybe he helps like plan out the action. But Ivan Rice is the artist, and he's good. He does he does a very cool Tom Strong drawing, and he loves Kirby dots apparently. Um, but who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. But it just fell as all all over the place, you know. Uh, but he 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 did a really good job for the most part. But then issue three. You know, you, you jump into Joe Bennett, who felt very slapdash in, in the way he's put together the, uh, the art. But at the same time, which I found was crazy, was, and you can tell, this is like a, a um, it, this is where you kind of realize that it was, it was a rush job. They have three inkers on this particular book, where all the rest of the books only have one, right? And it felt, and you could tell where the inkers were switching. From point to point, because the art just fell off, and that throws me off. And then you jump from an issue issue off four, you jump to um, Doc Shanner, who I'm a huge fan of, love his art, and I was hoping it would stay like that for the rest of the time. But you only have him for one episode, it's like for one issue, and you jump into Joe Bennett, who, whoo, that was painful because <laughs> he can't draw dogs, <laughs> you know. Like you, you have Doc. You have Doc Shanner introduce a metamorpho pit bull in the issue before, and then issue five, you jump in there and like you're looking at this pit bull, and it's it is grotesque looking, <laughs> you know. And it just and it just threw me off. So like that, that's what added to me not necessarily liking this as a whole, because as an artist, I'm picking up on this stuff, and and at the same time, let me back off by saying. I absolutely respect a lot of a lot of combo cards out there because I know what they have to go through in order to get these things done in time. But you can also tell when the art is rushed. And a lot of times you can't blame that on the artist because they're working very, very strict deadlines. Yeah. You know, and it's, it feels like it wasn't this project artistically wise was not given the proper amount of time you need to breathe and really be flushed out. I, I, for the most part, agree. I, I think, yeah, the art is, and this is just, I don't, I don't think this is just for this book. It's just comic books in general. Yeah. Having artists kind of switch out in between comics 
and issues and, and kind of watching the art style change. Like it'll go from a very dramatic, very uh, like heavy uh, shadows and, and kind of dim highlights to this like very poppy, colorful, uh, like you said, like Kirby dot matrix pattern. Why yeah. did they switch it out? And I'm glad you told me it's like it's usually deadlines and the fact that they have to switch out artists because some people are not available or you know, whatever the case may be, is like we need a fast turnaround. We need to talk to these two, pe- uh, these people, whatever. But yeah, the art, the art changes are dramatically jarring. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't find element, element dog. I think that's what they, they named him. I didn't think he was that ugly. It sounded like a personal <laughs> thing for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of went in. Say what? Say say the um. It felt like he's not good at drawing dog like drawing animals in general and there's a lot of there's a lot of comic artists that are like that like i me being an illustrator i try my best to try to at least get the right photo reference so i have something to work from but it seemed as if he wasn't working from legit photo reference you know so it's like certain pages like oh that doesn't even look like a dog anymore you know let me let me play devil's advocate and say there are no photo reference for a dog that can change elements. Just gonna no, put that out there. <laughs> at least no, at least the face. Yeah, so you know, the you, face is a little rough. Like you can find three three D models of a dog anywhere, right? So it's something to work off of, like at least get okay. the basic shape. But the face, I'm I'm trying to pull the exact page as we're talking about it, because there's one just it just made me go ugh, like just seeing it. I was like, oh come on, guy. Here, how about I'll I'll tell you. Go to uh, page one seventeen of volume oh, one. There mm-hmm. is a uh, a shot of Phantom Girl and the dog, and it is the most grotesque looking. Yes, there it just is. Just scene in, in general. I'm gonna take a picture and, and I'll post it with the in the show notes. But just the drawing in general is just frightening. She looks mm-hmm. like a, a a a demon, and the dog looks just weird. Like it's just this weird amalgamation of just horror. It's mm-hmm. really bad. It's like it's like they, they didn't get the notes of like which type of pit bull uh we're gonna be referencing, but at the same time, like picture reference. <laughs> you know, it's like we all have the Googles, right? Just literally go on Google, find a face from different angles. Like you can go on dogs of Instagram, like you could literally go on Instagram, type in pit bull, and you will find dogs from different angles. That to draw from, and it just didn't seem like it looks like a sock over somebody's hand that he was drawing. So yeah, I agree with you. The art is rough. The dog art does get a little rough. I I do think they do a serviceable job, uh, given how unique all the characters are. You don't get lost, you know. Like mm-hmm. you 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 kind of get it, and the tone does remain pretty much the same throughout. It's this campy weird story of fantastical events happening with this motley crew of misfits who are legit, like just wrapped together by cosmic happenstance. I like the fact that it's so silly. Uh, and the art does reflect that a lot of the time, especially when you have some, a character like plastic man who is for people who don't know, like one of the strongest uh, superheroes ever created because he's I think a, a virtually unkill- unkillable it's not only that he's unkillable but he's also able to do literally anything because he can rearrange his atoms 
But yeah, I, I like the fact that they take all these eclectic characters and kind of put them together and let them shine. That's why I like the story. It's because mm-hmm. they are allowed to do the wacky things that they are uh, written to do, right? Like so many superheroes these days are so emo and brooding and Martha and everything is, you know, dark and uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't love and I can't smile. And it, it's everything is so grim. Mm-hmm. The fact that they get to just play like Plastic Man gets to be a weirdo and Metamorpho gets to talk like and like he still lives in the 50s. Yeah. And Mr. Terrific gets to just be this cold curmudgeon, but also super smart. Like there are panels where everyone is being super and Mr. Terrific is being a scientist. Like he's like, I need you to do what you do so that I can do science right mm-hmm. now. And that's where he fits in. Like he has to be able to do sciencey things while they all just be weird. So that's why I like the book. Uh, and I think that'll bring us to the end of the episode. We went long, but I did like our conversation. I like the fact that we finally found something we did not agree on and got to talk through it. Uh, we did not end up on the same side, and I, I don't think I ever will. I am a DC fanboy, and I didn't think I was, but I am. Um, Dan, would you suggest people read this book uh, or if they did read it, would you suggest they read volume two? I would say, why not? You know, it's like, you know, I come in this being biased and I admitted that in the very beginning. I'm not a big DC fan and similar, to, very similar to you. You enjoy the big story. You, you enjoy the big spectacle. So I, I don't see why other people wouldn't enjoy this as well. Um, if you're willing to get over the art changes, yeah, go right ahead. Absolutely. If you're not anal about art like Dan is, yeah, really. yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to say it like that now, but yes, just yes. just super butt about art. Fine, yeah. uh, I I would suggest it. I full disclosure, I did read all, I did read both volume one and two. I enjoyed right. both of them. Okay, um, so yeah, I would say if you have the, you know, the need for a nice campy story, I think it it works. And uh, just so you guys know. We will be doing volume two only because, and I'll, I'll spoil this right now, Tom Strong has a black wife and a black child. What? Dan, where can they find you on socials? You can find me at the underscore basement underscore monster on Instagram. You can find me at www.thebasementmonster.com on Twitter which I never, ever actually really use, maybe once a week. You can find me on what? Twitter at Dan, Dan underscore D underscore monster. I don't know. I'm going to look up right now. You got to change that, man. It's too long. <laughs> but it's like, I, it, I tried so hard to get the right thing, but no, they wouldn't let me. Instagram was like, it's Dan underscore D underscore monster. No, that's short. That's shorter than D basement monster. Still super long. Uh, uh, and don't forget to pick up Dan's book, The Carnival Prince. And he has an upcoming book that I won't spoil. And he'll let you guys know about that when it comes out. Uh, you can follow us at superblackorg on Twitter and Instagram. Head over to superblack.co, read our articles, listen to all our back catalog of podcasts. It is great. Uh, you can follow us on twitch.tv slash superblackplays, where we play video games with black leads. Hyping up powerful characters of color because representation matters. 
Thank you all for listening. We will catch you next week. The brand new episode that I have not figured out. <laughs> I got some ideas. We'll talk all fair. Sweet. Bye, everybody. Talk to you later, guys. Full stop. Hello, friends. This is where that episode Dan requested I add in would go. I couldn't find it. I recorded that thing maybe five years ago. Since then, I've transitioned through a number of computers, had a kid. I'd lost track of a bunch of stuff, and it seems like that is one of them. Now, I'm sure it's on a drive somewhere, so when I find it, I will, I don't know, upload it somewhere or make it a bonus episode. But for now, Enjoy the last 35 minutes of Mr. Terrific. Uh, you have another episode of one of the Super Black Originals where we create a Mr. Terrific story from thin air. Uh, that, that's all I got for you. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not sorry because you're not sorry. You, you believe me. It does exist. <sighs> Full stop.